0: Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents evangelist Sarah Leonard Rackley with her teaching, Praying Bold Prayers. Hi. Oh, yes, married now. Yeah. I'm Rackley. Rackley. <laughs> It's only been that way for a month, so I'm still not quite used to it. Uh, Okay, yep, my name is Sarah Leonard Rackley, and um, it's pretty exciting. So I guess... Like, I probably know and have talked to half of you, and the rest of you are new faces, so some of y'all are going to get to hear some new stuff, and some of you have heard it before, so you're just going to act as excited and interested as if you've never heard it. (laughs) Um, So my dad, uh, Ricky Leonard, uh, he passed away three years ago. He went to heaven, and uh, he was a great evangelist. Uh, I say great evangelist but not a lot of people knew who he was. But in God's eyes, he was great because he did exactly what the Lord told him to do, which was to go around the world and preach the gospel. So he traveled mostly to Africa, but really he went to every continent except Antarctica. (laughs) Uh, You know, just Australia, yeah, I guess technically. It was on his to-do list. (laughs) It's on mine now. Because the day that he went to heaven, I was uh, sitting alone in the hallway, and I heard the voice of the Lord say, it's time. And it wasn't like uh, the you know a, a monologue, a large paragraph, a vision. There was nothing great. It was just those two words. It's time. But I knew it was the voice of the Lord. And I had been praying for so many years, Lord, show me what to do. Show me what my calling is. Show me what you want me to do. And um, and so when I heard the Lord say, it's time, those two words suddenly just like ignited all of these visions in my heart, uh, in my imagination about what I wanted to do. And 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 I believed that meant it's time for you to step up and take over your father's ministry. But I didn't really tell anybody that I didn't tell mom until what, six months, a year later. It was probably a year later. <laughs> she said, "She said, I've never heard this before. When were you going to tell me? <laughs> but I just, I wanted to uh, hold on to what the Lord told me, and I wanted to think about it, and uh, meditate on it, and marinate in it, and make sure it was right, and make sure I heard from the Lord, and make sure I was ready. <laughs> and the thing is, is that, uh, The Lord has put inside of each one of you uh, a calling, a plan, and it's a whole lot bigger than anything we can imagine on our own. And so if you can see yourself accomplishing your plan with, with what you know how to do, you're dreaming too small because he wants to be a part of it. And he's put in things in you that you don't even see in yourself yet. He's put gifts inside of you. He's put ability inside of you. He's put confidence inside of you and courage that you haven't even discovered yet. You haven't tapped into it yet. But he wants to help you to to get there. And so if you'll work with him, let him help you, but just step out and do what he's told you to do, you're going to discover, like I have, things that you didn't know you knew how to do and um confidence that you didn't know you had. So um I uh cuz my dad was a great preacher, you would think he was bold, he was wild, he was crazy. He uh was he afraid of very much at all, mom? Not much. <laughs> uh, the Africans that we knew said that he was more African than they were. Because he wasn't afraid to eat anything that they put in front of him. They said, oh, he eats stuff we would never eat. <laughs> and um, whenever there was a snake or a spider or any creepy thing, my dad was always the one commissioned to take care of it because he wasn't afraid of them. And um, and so you would think, being his child, that I would have inherited those You know, that fearlessness. But here I am, timid and afraid of everything. Or at least I was when I was a teenager. I was afraid to speak. I was afraid to, uh, share my thoughts. I was afraid to meet new people. I mean, meeting a new person as a teenager, that absolutely terrified me more than anything else on the planet could. And so, um, speaking, in front of people. (laughs) That would have never happened. On my own, I'm saying on my own, you know, where I was, you know, 20 years ago. And so uh, it took me spending time with the Lord and believing what his word says more than I believed what I thought about myself to come into the confidence that God has for me and um and the, you can do the same thing too. So that's what I want to encourage you guys today. So my message is entitled Praying Bold Prayers. And um let's see. I wanted to d- do ministry, but I didn't know what that looked like. So about uh let's see, I guess it was in 2011. I just told the Lord, I'm fed up. I'm going somewhere. I don't care if you go with me or not. I got to get out of Wilmington. I got to go. And so I just kept praying, God, open a door. I was like begging, God, open a door. Get me out of here. And so he opened a door to work for Samaritan's Purse, and they called me and they they said, "We know you've applied to work for us four times and we've turned you down four times, but um we have this position available." it's in Alaska. Would you like to go? And I was like, Lord, I told you I'd go anywhere. I didn't mean Alaska. I meant like, you know, South America or uh, Africa, not Alaska. Gosh. And so I said, well, should I go? And the Lord said, duh. (laughs) It's like he speaks your language to you, you know? So uh, uh I've been begging him, send me anywhere. And he said, all right, here you go. I'm like, oh, anywhere. <laughs> so I went to Alaska. I was there for not quite three years. But while I was there, all of these things, all these insecurities, all of the, this uh, the problem with chronic depression that I dealt with for years and years and years, um, all of the, just the pressures of life that I didn't know how to deal with came up all at once. All at once in Alaska, I think it was uh, the isolation, not knowing anybody, and I wanted to, you know, go out and be a missionary and do these great things for the Lord. And here I was at Samaritan's Purse in Alaska doing great things for the Lord, and I felt no different. And I was so disappointed by that. And um, and what I came to realize is that all of that discouragement, all of that insecurity, that I felt. All the depression that I dealt with was as a result of focusing on me and my ability instead of focusing on the Lord and his ability to work in me. So um, it was this one day a co-worker of mine was reading uh, Romans chapter 8 during morning devotions. And he just read the whole chapter and then closed his Bible and said, I think that speaks for itself. I'm not going to say anything else. And so then um, the rest of that day, the scriptures kept coming back to my mind because I'd read it before but never really paid attention. And then uh, that evening, I was like, Man, this is really bothering me. I need to read this again. So I couldn't remember that it was Romans 8, so I just took a passage of scripture that I could remember and Googled it and then figured out that that was it and read the chapter. And I got to verse... Romans chapter 8, verse 14, which I have here somewhere. Verse 15, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And I knew, and, and then verse 16 says this, the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are, sons of God or children of God or sons and daughters of God, depends on what version you read. It all means the same thing. I suddenly realized that I had been placing all of my value and all of my worth in what I was able to do, what I was able to accomplish through my work, through my uh, crafts, through my hobbies, through my ability to encourage my friends. And if I failed, then I felt like absolutely worthless, like, my, if I wasn't good at my work, then I felt like, what value did I have to give? If I wasn't good at encouraging my friends or being a good family member, a uh, sister to my brothers or whatever, what value did I have? And suddenly I read this verse, Romans eight fifteen, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, and I was full of fear. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And I suddenly realized my value has nothing to do with what I do. My value has everything to do with who I am, who God says that I am, no matter what I do. I could be the biggest failure on the earth, but because he's adopted me, I'm his daughter. He sees value just in that. And it was like all of those lies, because that's what they were, the insecurity, the fear, The worry, all of it was lies, started to break off of me. And I realized it's the Word of God. It brings light. And if you meditate on the Word of God, your mind will change. It will renew you. It will transform you. and Light will begin to fill the dark places in you. And so if you feel like you're surrounded by darkness, meditate on the Word of God because it brings light. So that... uh, I decided that I was never going to be depressed again. I decided that, and I decided that every time I start to feel depressed, I just remind myself of what the Word of God says about me. Every time I start to feel discouraged, I remind myself of what the Word of God says about who he is, about who God is. Because we focus so much on ourselves and our abilities and our our worth and our own value, that we forget that our worth and value is found in who, he's, who he is, who God is, our Lord, our creator. And so I decided I had to take up my weapons and fight. If I wanted to really be free, if I wanted to really be confident, if I wanted to really walk in who God called me to be. If I never wanted to be depressed again, I had to stand up and fight. I was going to have to fight for it. I couldn't be passive anymore. I was just letting these waves of sadness roll over me, and I was just taking it. But you don't have to take it. I didn't have to take it. I could stand up and fight it. So Ephesians chapter 6, I think we have it. Uh, Verse 13 says, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Now, the, the word in the Greek, take up, is an active word. It means to pick up. It means to take up, to raise up, to pick up, to carry off, to lead away. Now, I love Christian radio, but sometimes I have to turn it off because <laughs> some of the songs are so full of doubt and unbelief. Um, I, I love it, but I'll just switch off for that song and then turn it back on. Um, but a lot of the music and a lot of the teachings that are in the body of Christ today talk about just wait on the Lord. Just sit back and let trust him. Just trust him. Let him do his thing. You just wait. You don't do anything. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God says like we are together with him. We are more than conquerors. We uh, we're, are... His children were heirs with him, and even in the last battle in the Revelation, it says that we're going to come in riding with him. So there's never this, you know, just uh, go sit in the library and wait your turn, and God's going to do everything for you. <laughs> he never intended that for us. We're supposed to rule and reign with Christ. So, so the word to take up, take up your armor, is an active. Uh, word it means to lead away and then um, it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day having done all to stand so stand therefore withstand when it's talking about the evil day it means to set against to withstand to resist to oppose so we're never supposed to just allow evil to continue to happen we resist it actively we take up actively our weapons and we actively resist the work of darkness and so that's our calling that's what we have to do and how do we do that with the word of god you know it's not a it's not a mystery it's not meant to be hidden it's just, you just take the word of God and you actively apply. I see the circumstance. I see what the word of God says. They don't match. I actively choose to oppose the circumstance and believe the word of God instead. So uh, so I wanted to talk to you guys about praying a bold prayer. How can you pray boldly? You can pray boldly. If you know that what you're praying is God's will. 1 John 5.14 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him. Faith is just another word for confidence. You say that you have faith in somebody or you trust somebody. It's another word for confidence in somebody. You just are sure that they're going to do exactly what they said they're going to do. And so when we have faith in God, we just are confident that he's going to do exactly what he said he would do. So this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that he, we have the petitions we ask of Him. So there's there's a stipulation in here if we ask anything according to His will. So that's the that's the caveat there. We have to ask according to His will. But the rest of the verse is so powerful. We can ask anything. We know He hears us, and we know if we ask, we'll have it. It's just just ask. That's all we have to do is ask. How do we know if it's God's will? How can you know? Well, knowing God's will isn't a one-time thing. It's not like, okay, I prayed, this is God's will for my life, is to be a missionary in Congo, and so that's it. I know my, I know God's will for my life, I'm done. You know, like, you don't need to find out anymore. That's, that's not really the way this works, although I think I probably thought that as a naive teenager, that you just needed to know one time what God's will was, and then you were good to go. Um <laughs> this is a good thing that that's not the way it works Because I would have gone and tried to make everything happen in my life You know, on my own Without having to rely on the Lord It's much better with the Lord So you keep this constant conversation Lifelong, every day It's a dialogue Prayer is a dialogue Prayer is you talking to the Lord And prayer is the Lord talking back to you So we don't just yak away at the Lord And tell him all our problems And then not wait for the answer wait for him to speak. And we also don't just say, I asked you a question, you're not answering me, throw up our hands and walk away. Because that's not a dialogue either. I mean, who wants to talk to a snotty-nosed teenager that has an attitude? You know what I mean? <laughs> As sometimes we can kind of act that way. Like, I, I asked you a question, you're not answering, I guess you're too busy today. And we just kind of walk away. So like back off the attitude and come before the Lord and talk to him like, a person that you respect, and um, and he will answer you. He will answer you. If you feel like God's not answering you, try changing the question you're asking. You know, maybe the question you're asking is from an attitude that is not pleasing to the Lord. So try changing the question you ask so that you can ask maybe in a more respectful way. What does He want you to know, Lord? What do you want me to know today? Uh, I told you all these things I want to know. What do you want me to know today? And so ask, just keep the conversation going. Every time that uh, you come to a new point of decision in your life, if it's a job, a a new friendship, uh, a dating relationship, an issue with your marriage, uh, uh, moving to one place or another place, those are major things, but even smaller things. You can ask the Lord for guidance and direction, and he will lead you. In John chapter 10, uh, he tells us that he's a, the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice, and they follow wherever he leads. So that's us. You can just go ahead and say, I'm his sheep. I know his voice. I follow wherever he leads. You just declare that over yourself. I'm his sheep. I follow wherever He leads. So Psalm 63, oh God, you're my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. This is our attitude. This should be our attitude towards the Lord, towards wanting to know his will for our life, not a passive, well, I asked and you didn't tell me, so I'm going to go do what I want. (laughs) But God, you're my God, I want to know what you have to say to me. I'll get up early if that's what it takes. And that's asking a lot for me um, <laughs> to get up early. But I'll do it for the Lord. My soul thirsts for you. So have this attitude towards the Lord. I've got to know what your will is. i got to know what you want to say to me today. I need to know. And when you have this attitude towards the Lord... Then the rest is easy. He speaks, we obey. He tells us His will, we believe it. The end. (laughs) So, as you spend time with Him, He tells us, He shows us, He impresses or leads us. Um, Sometimes you just get a feeling in your heart this is the right way. And how do you know it's from the Lord? Well, it's not something you would think of on your own, probably. His voice sounds a lot like your voice. Well, the way you think. It sounds like the way you think, but it's words that you wouldn't think. It's things that um, wouldn't come to you on your own. You're not that smart. Sorry. (laughs) But the Lord is smart, and so he'll give us wisdom. And uh, the more you listen and obey, the easier it is to recognize when he speaks to you. So... Take it, uh, take what he says and act on it, and then he'll speak to you again, and you'll be like, oh, I remember that. That's your voice. I know your voice. I'm your sheep. I hear your voice. I recognize it. Psalm 119.11. Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So if you want to know what God's voice sounds like, It helps when you hide God's word in your heart. You memorize it. You read it often. So the more you read God's word, the more you come to recognize God's voice because he never contradicts his word. He he will never tell you something that is in contradiction to what his word says. So if you are familiar with God's word, then you say, okay, I heard this thought in my head. I'm pretty sure it's the Lord, and it's agrees with what the Bible says, so I know it's God. So as you spend time with the Lord in prayer, seek after him, desire to know what he has to say, and hide his word in your heart, then you can know his will. It's not hidden under a rock. He's not trying to hide it from you. He wants us all to know his will. He wants us all to know his love for us because he's got these amazing plans. He's got these huge dreams for each and every one of us. And if we could step into what he's got planned for us, then um, he would be glorified through it. So there's, there's, it's a win-win for him when you fulfill the destiny he has for you. There's, there's no reason he wouldn't want you to do that. And so as you learn his will for you, you just go and do what you want to do it'll line up with the word of God. It'll line up with what he's been speaking to you because that's what your desire is. Your desire is to honor God in everything that you do. So then you just go and do what you want to do. And what you want to do is what God wants because you've been spending all this time with him and getting in line with his heart. Okay, so... Now that we know how to pray God's will, which is the one caveat, First John 5.14 says, if you pray anything according to his will, anything, anything, did you guys get that, anything? Let's just remind myself, anything, Sarah, anything you ask him, he'll do it. So there's nothing to hold you back from praying in boldness. Now, there's a difference between boldness and arrogance, and I feel like I want to talk about this because I've spent a lot of time around people who are not spirit-filled and, you know, good Christians, love the Lord, and I've heard it taught so many times that if you pray in boldness, then that means that you just are arrogant and demanding, and you come in and you're like, this is what I want, God, here's my to-do list, Bah, 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 do what I say. But that's not what the Word of God says. Hebrews four fourteen through 16 says, Seeing that we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. So let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So boldness is confidence in who Jesus says that you are. So he says that I am his child, I am paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. So because of what he did, because of who he is and who he says that I am, that's why I can come boldly into the throne of grace. It's not um, confidence in my own ability without Jesus. It's confidence, so confident, so sure in who Jesus says that I am that I know I can ask anything of the Father because of what Jesus did for me. I can ask anything. And I can come in, and I know that he hears me. What did it say in 1 John 5, uh, 15? It said, and we know that he hears us. We are confident that he hears us. Isn't it great to be heard? Everybody just wants to be heard. They just want their voice to be heard. They want to be known. I think that's why we desire uh, to be married, because we find the one person who knows us better than anyone else. But God, he, he knows us. He, he knows our heart. He hears every word. And so, uh, you know, if you feel like God's not hearing your prayers, uh, that's just a lie from the enemy. You can just throw that out. Say, nope, nope, I'm not listening to that lie. <laughs> God always hears me. He hears my prayers. Um, and that's what you have to do when you're discouraged the enemy is going to throw every lie at you that he can think of. They're the same old tired ones since the beginning of time. Same tired lies since the beginning of time. You're alone. No one else has experienced what you've experienced. This is too hard for you to overcome. Um, you can't do this. Um, he, he'll tell you you're not enough. You're not good enough. You're not valuable enough. You have nothing that, ma- nothing you do matters. You're not worthy. God's not listening. God's not going to do anything to help you. This is too big for God to do. I'm in mean, the same tired lies since the beginning of time. And so we got to learn to recognize the lies so we can say, that's a lie. I'm not listening to that. I am believing the word of God. So when the, when the enemy comes and says God's not listening to you you can just say that's a lie and I know that's a lie because the word of God says that I have the confidence that he hears me when I pray okay so some of the lies that the enemy tells us oh wait first I got to tell you this it's another scripture so that come boldly scripture, Hebrews four, fourteen to sixteen is one of my favorites. I remember it often whenever I'm asking the Lord for something that feels like enormous to me. And um then I remember that what feels enormous to me is like small potatoes for him. It's no big deal. Like he can handle that with a word. You know, because the Bible says with the with the word he framed the whole world. So with a word, he can handle my problem. It's no big deal for him. So that's in Jesus, because of what he did for us, because of who we are, we can come boldly. And remember that next time you're feeling like insecure about whatever you're praying, I can come boldly. I don't have to be insecure. I can ask God whatever. It's not too hard for him. So 1 John 3, uh, 21. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have this confidence towards God. Why would your heart condemn you? It's because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, hey, that's not God's will. Hey, that's not my will. Which we've already been over how to figure out what God's will is for your life. You just spend time with him. Ask him. Listen. Read the word. So if your heart condemns you, then you know it's not God's will. It's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you it's not God's will. But if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence toward God that whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Whatever we ask, whatever. Think about the possibilities. I know I've been dreaming too small, and I've been asking too small. So think about the possibilities. What could God do with your whatever request? Whatever. John fourteen twelve. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. And I, I think in general in the in the church, I say that with quotations in the church. Um, because I'm not specifically referring to faith life, I mean the whole entire, all of the churches, most people have this attitude or this idea that the things that Jesus did, like uh, casting demons out of people or healing the sick, he raised the dead, he fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, and he taught amazing things, wisdom that they'd never heard before, those things that Jesus did. He answered the critics, the high priests, who were um, the Pharisees who were coming to criticize him. He answered them with wisdom um, from the Lord. So those things that he did, if he, if you believe in Jesus, then you can do these works also. That's what that says right there. Jesus said, I say to you, whoever believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do so in the church at large in general the church i think a lot of people are waiting for a few like the five pastors and leaders in the church to get out and pray for the sick when every single one of us who believe in jesus have the ability to do it young young and old you know no matter your age no matter your um How long you've been a Christian. You could have just been saved and pray for somebody and they'll get healed. That is is what the Lord told us. All we have to do is believe. That's what he says. I say to you, whoever believes in me. So just believe in Jesus. And then in verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Anything. There it is again. Anything. The limitations that we put on our prayers, on our what we ask of the Lord, are the limitations we create in our own minds, what we think is possible, what we think we're worthy of, or what we think that God wants to do. And he's been saying all along, anything, anything, <laughs> dream bigger, so, uh one of the lies that the enemy likes to tell us is that God is not able to do whatever you know we say, well, our problem is with the people in our lives, and so God can't you know- supersede someone's uh free will, so he can't do anything in this situation i I've heard that one a lot um, but if you think about the story of Esther and how the lord God had no ability, so to speak, to change the mind of the king on Esther's behalf, yet he still works circumstances so that when Esther came to him, his heart was for her. So God can still work in people's behalf by changing the circumstances around that person to get them to the place where you'll have favor with them. You see, he can do things outside of just taking someone's heart and changing their mind like a robot. We just think so small. We think that's the easy way to do it, just flip a switch and reprogram them, Lord. <laughs> but uh, God has other ways, and he just has all, like a chess board. He has all these pieces he can move, but it's so much bigger than a chess board because he's got ways we do not know of. He is way smarter than we give him credit for. And so just ask him and then let him figure out how to make it happen. It's not our job to make it happen. The taking up our weapons and standing firm in the evil day is not us fighting to make the prayer happen. We don't need to do God's job for him. We're fighting against the lies of the enemy that would say God's word is not true. That's what we're fighting. We're fighting the lies of the enemy that would say God is not going to keep his promise to us. That's what we're fighting. And so God's able. Um, I'll just read through these quickly. Matthew 19, 26. Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. That was Jesus. Just in case you wanted to know, red letters, Jesus said that. So whatever you need God to do, He is able to make it happen. And then the next lie the enemy likes to tell us is you don't have the right to ask. But 1 Peter 2.9 says, um, you are a chosen people. You are a kingdom of priests, God's holy nation, his very own possession. You are precious to the Lord. And because he's given you, once you're adopted, all you have to do to be adopted is believe in Jesus. So once you're adopted, he's given you a priesthood. You stand in this place of authority in Jesus. It's Jesus' authority, but you, he has given it to you. So you stand in this place of authority. You have the right to ask anything of the Lord that you want to ask. And then Romans 8.15, which I've already read to you all, but so you should not be, this is, you've got New King James up there. I'm going to read the New Living Translation to you. So you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children, adopted into his family, and calling him, Father, dear Father. You know, especially if you've ever had small children, I have not, but I've been around small children a lot. If they want something, they are not afraid to ask. Like, for the moon, they will ask for it. They just think that you can make it happen for them, especially when they're real young. They're like, yeah, yeah all right, I want to go to Disneyland next week. They just think you can make that happen, you know? And so just like small children have this attitude of of, um, calling their father, dear father, dear father, we should have that same attitude when we come before the Lord. He loves you. He's not waiting to beat you over the head with a club. He loves you, wants to take care of you like his child. And then the... the, um, The third lie, the enemy tells us a lot, is that God doesn't have time to answer your prayer. He doesn't really want to. Um, He will do some other things for you, more like things that are kingdom-oriented, but personal stuff, he's not really interested in answering that one. That's a lie from the enemy. He cares deeply about you. James 4.2, the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. Or... The whole scripture, but the end of it. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. And what James is trying to say here, you lust, you do not have, you murder and covet and cannot obtain, you fight in war. He's saying we're trying to make it happen on our own. We're fighting with each other to try and get what we want. We're we're arguing and coveting and doing all of these things to get what we want to get our way. And all we have to do is ask the Lord. You do not have because you do not ask. Matthew 7, 9. If there's a man among you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we get this idea in our head that uh, God's too busy to answer our prayers is really a wrong attitude about God. It's really doing God a disservice because he's a good God. He is good. A good father would take good care of his children. So your good father will take good care of you because you are his children. That's what this is saying. Um, If a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? So If you had a child that was hungry, would you really just go pick up a rock out of the yard and hand it to him? I mean, it's pretty cruel. And here you are asking the Lord for your basic needs and not really believing that he will give them to you. But God is so good. He is nothing but good. And he desires to give you whatever you ask for. So we just have to trust him. And if the enemy tries to throw these lies at you, that God can't do it, that um, you don't have the right to ask that, or that, God doesn't want to answer your prayers, and you just need to call it what it is. That is a lie, and I am not believing that. God loves me. He's for me. He fights for me. So if we're not fighting to make our prayers happen, then what are we fighting? We are fighting to believe God. That's it. We fight ourselves because if we have doubt and unbelief in our heart, we stand against that. We stand against that by declaring the word of God. No, I'm not listening to that fear. I believe the word of God. I'm not listening to that lie. I believe the word of God. And then when you decide, when you pray a big prayer, a big God-sized prayer that is so big it cannot happen without God being in charge, in control, in involved in some way. Then it will seem like everything opposite of that will start happening everything opposite of what we prayed for will begin to happen. And it'll seem like that thing that I just prayed for is not going to happen. That's when it's time to stand firm. We prayed. We know that God answers prayers, so we got to stand. We got to withstand in the evil day, just like it said in Ephesians 6. Withstand. Take up your weapons. Take your fighting stance and say, no, I believe what God says no matter what. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says... um, There it is. I love this because this is a description of God, our God, the one that we follow, the one that we serve, the one that we love. This is our God. Know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments, the faithful God. He is the faithful God we're not so much we kind of waver this that this that happy today sad tomorrow god is the faithful god he never backs down on his word he never gives up on his promise everything that he promises to you he intends to keep so why do we doubt him why why do we wonder if it's even going to happen if we know that he is the faithful god 2 timothy 2:13 If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. He is so faithful that in order to not keep his word, he would have to deny his very existence. He's not going to do that. Just give you the end of the story. He's not going to do that. So he is faithful to you. And every time you uh, start to feel like whatever you've asked the Lord for, you start to feel like maybe it's not going to happen, you just remind yourself, God is faithful. And that is what I'm holding on to. God is faithful. And no matter what happens around me, I trust the faithfulness of God to carry me through this, to bring this to pass. He's going to do it. So Hebrews um, 12.2, which I didn't give you all, um, says, we keep our eyes on Jesus whom our faith depends from start to finish. So if when you feel like you're going to waver, stop looking at your circumstances, stop looking at your ability, and just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Just focus on him. The one who promises, who is faithful to keep his promise to a thousand generations, fix your attention on him. And remind yourself, God will answer this prayer because he said he would give me anything fast according to his will. He said he would give me anything and he is faithful to a thousand generations. So I keep my focus, my attention on him and he will do it. And then um, the final one here, Micah 7. Therefore, I look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Remember what we said earlier about how God hears us when we pray? Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. So, so you got discouraged, and you uh, backed down on what you prayed for, and you said, oh, well, maybe it's not going to happen. Okay, it's time to get up again. <laughs> it says here, when I fall, I will arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. This is me. This is me, Sarah Leonard Rackley. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy, because when I fall, I will arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. That's how I overcome. It's through the word of God. Whatever happens, whatever comes, whatever the circumstance, whatever my body is doing physically, whatever things happen around me, whatever jerk I pass on the street, You know, whatever happens, I will arise. The Lord will be a light to me. That's my declaration. And who I am called to be, I can step out in that because I know when I pray, God hears me and he's faithful to answer. So I can pray for huge stuff, big, amazing things, big dreams. You know, the dream big. Whatever you've thought your dream is, dream bigger than that. And ask the Lord to do it. He wants to do it for you. And then stand on that promise until you see it come to pass. I believe that today y'all are going to go away and you're going to pray some enormous prayers. And God's going to answer them. And when he answers them, we're going to have all these wonderful testimonies coming back. We're going to talk about the faithfulness of God and how he answers our prayers. And, um, and then it's going to encourage someone else's faith to pray big prayers and believe God for the answers. So um, I'm going to pray over you all. I thank you, Lord, that your word uh, builds our faith. I thank you, Lord, that your word uh, is hidden in our hearts so we won't sin against you. I thank you, Lord, that you've made these words come to life to each person and that as I've been talking, your Holy Spirit has been working in people's hearts to bring light and to bring life and to bring Holy Spirit transformation. And um, I pray today as they go out, they'll remember what is said and they'll remember to pray bigger prayers and trust you for the answers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message, Praying Bold Prayers. If you're in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and hear more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faithlife Wilmington.